Uh, good morning. Welcome to Front Range. Hey, y'all, it's sweater weather. Don't you love it? I had a big moment this week, defining moment for me. I always notice it in the fall, the first day I wear my boots. I got to wear my boots on Thursday when it did the S word. I'm not even going to say it. When it snowed. Did it snow where y'all were? Yeah, yeah. We live in, Jeff and I live in Parker and uh, was coming here to the Front Range offices and it snowed on the way. And so I really do enjoy fall. I just pretend that what I know is coming after fall is really not coming, right? But welcome. We are so glad that you're here. I'm Sherry. Uh, I work for a world missions organization based in Fort Lauderdale. So when it gets too cold, I go there to work, right? And uh, we're a world missions organization that focuses on families. I'm a vice president there. And, uh, but I'll tell you, one of my favorite things uh, is echoes in this video here. I get to volunteer in Front Range in our children's ministry. So I'm a third grade small group leader. I love your kids. Let me tell you that your kids are beautiful and brilliant and sometimes they're really funny. I really enjoy working in children's ministry. We don't do babysitting back there. What we do is we introduce kids to who God is. Such a great place to volunteer. You know, if this is your first time here with us, we welcome you. This is a place where you can build community, discover your purpose, and grow your faith. And today, we're continuing the service, hashtag we are front range. I love that. Which is where we dig in, we look at the core values here at Front Range. And this one today is very close and dear to my heart. It's the core value of celebrating family. That's what I love about my church about Front Range. Family is central to who we are. And you know, we all know that families look different, don't we? We just look different from each other. This is the time of year when we start thinking about family photos, right? Family pictures, maybe we might put one on a Christmas card. Uh, I, I just put up a couple, or I found a couple of family pictures that I wanna show you today. And so here's the first one. And I call this one, say yes to plaid. <laughs> Somebody in the family, I have a feeling it's mom, is in love with plaid. Here's the next one, and I call this one, you are clearly not the favorite child. <laughs> Dad, can I sit on the sled? No, you have to ride in the back. I love this next one, and I just call this one, joy is contagious, isn't it? Moms, have you had some Christmas cards, pictures like this, right, where uh, nobody will smile, everyone cries at the same time. But this one is my all-time favorite, and I call this one, Who Invited Uncle Ned? <laughs> now, Uncle Ned got the same email that everybody else did, where are your best, we're going to get our picture taken. And that's what Uncle Ned chose. You know, when you go, uh, go eat lunch together, maybe you'll be with your family. This is a fun discussion. Who's Uncle Ned in our family? Every family has an Uncle Ned, right? And if you don't know who it is, it might be you. It might be you. You'll notice I didn't include any awkward pictures of my family. And I bet you're glad that I didn't include any of your family either. Because we all have them. We all have those awkward pictures and awkward moments in our family. You may look at some of your family pictures and you might think, couldn't we just be a normal family, a good family, maybe like a family in the Bible? Well, you know, I'm going to say something that might be offensive to some, 
But when you look in the Bible, when you look at every family, you really can't find a perfect one in there. Let's look at the very first family, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. These are the two that threw open the door for sin to come in the world. You know, they ate off the one tree God said for them not to. And when God came to walk in the garden and he faced him with it, then they started the blame game. Adam said, that was Eve's fault. And Eve pointed to the snake. No, 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 not my fault. That was his fault. And then it got worse because they had kids. They had Cain and Abel, the two brothers who were so jealous of each other. They're the ones who introduced the concept of murder. Cain murdered his brother. You know, in fact, almost every family in the Old Testament is a complete disaster. Abraham, our founding forefather, well, he got in a tight spot and he lied about his wife and said that his wife was his sister and he did that to save his own neck. Noah, the guy we all look up to who built the ark and saved his family, well, Noah got drunk took off all his clothes, humiliated his kids. In fact, the Bible tells us that one of his sons kind of backed in so he didn't have to see his dad's nakedness and threw a blanket over him, right? Family can be embarrassing and humiliating and disastrous. And you know, uh, Don Hubbard, a family research specialist, says this, there are no ideal families, only real families families. So we want to put you at ease today. We're going to talk uh, knowing that every family is a real family. There aren't any ideal ones. So does this mean that the Bible doesn't have principles for us to be able to learn how to be a good family? It absolutely does, and that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. But here's what the Bible doesn't do. The Bible doesn't hold up a picture of a perfect family for us to copy off of. Because here's what God knows. God knows if he did that, we'd be inspired to quit, to walk out on our real family. He instead decided to show us what real families really do look like. Families that mess up, that are nowhere near perfect. Families that hurt each other and say things we shouldn't. But here's the cool, cool thing. God doesn't leave us there. He doesn't lower the standard of what a family can be. Instead, he ups the grace. Here's something that you may not have thought about, but God has a purpose in family. God didn't just let family just happen on accident. He had a purpose when he created it. And you might be thinking, my family? The family who couldn't even get in the car this morning to come to church without yelling at each other? My family who hasn't spoken to each other in years? Yeah, your family. At Front Range... Family, we feel like, is to be celebrated. And we know that families come in all shapes and sizes. You might be a family that has kids. You might be a couple without kids. You might even have a fur baby at home. You might be a single parent. You might be a young adult who isn't married, and your family is your group of buddies you hang out with. You might be a foster or adoptive family. You know, as you think about the family that you grew up in, your family of origin. You may have come from a family that was so crazy, they just sucked the fun right out of dysfunctional. All of our families are real families. And you know, Jesus didn't think that just parents uh, and kids is what made up a family. In fact, 
He redefined family for us in Matthew chapter 12, and it says this, while Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him, and somebody came and told him, Jesus, your mom and your brothers are waiting to speak to you, and he replied to them, who is my mother, and who are my brothers? Then he pointed to his disciples, his buddies, and he said, here's my mom and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus wasn't disrespecting his mom and his brothers there. He was helping us see, you know what? Your family extends beyond just your family of origin. You know, family can have nothing to do with genes and everything to do with love, compassion, and support. If you're far away from your family, or you feel alone today, you're not. We at Front Range, we're your family. We're going to focus some of what we talk about today on parents and grandparents. But if you're here in this room and you're not a parent or a grandparent, I really, truly feel like God has something to say to you too. So I want you to just kind of lean in, even if we're talking specifically about parents. So what is God's purpose in creating family? You know, the Bible tells us that God puts the lonely in families. In fact, he tells us this in Psalm 68. It began in the Garden of Eden, you know, when God created Adam. And he said, oh, this is good. This is human. This is good. But then he, he steps back and he said, oh, wait a minute. Something's not exactly right. Adam is alone. And we know that a man alone, he's going to wander around and not have a clean fig leaf to wear. He's not going to know what to eat for dinner. And so then he did his best work. He created the woman. Yeah, there you go. And... You know, God didn't want us to be alone, but I really think his purpose went beyond just solving loneliness. He realized we needed a place to learn and practice how to be a human, so he created the family. The concept of family is really curious when you think about it. It's people of all ages just kind of thrown together in the same small space. It's a laboratory of strong emotions and strong smells both good and bad. It's where we experience joy and hurt and laughter. There are so many facets of family. But I just want to focus in on three things that happen in a family today. And here's the first one. In a family, we love. We love. We learn how to love. We love each other. We see examples of what love shouldn't be sometimes. You know, have you ever wondered, mom and dad, why when you look at that newborn baby in your arms, you see perfection? It's because you're looking at the image of God. God tells us this in Genesis chapter 1. It says, so God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. You know, mom and dad, you were made in the image of God yourself. That's why you have the capacity to love your kids so much. Because you have the heart of God made in the image of God to be able to love your kids. Your kids were made in the image of God, although sometimes it's hard to see it, right? When they have a full diaper, when they smell horrible, when they're throwing a tantrum, when they're rolling their eyes at you, that is still the little human who is made in the image of God. You know, God talks a lot about love in the Bible, You'll find when you read his word that love is mentioned over 500 times. It's important 
God wants us to get it. God created the family so that this could be the laboratory where we learn about love and where we learn how to love. That's kind of sobering when you think about it. Where is your kid going to learn how to love? In your family. You know, there's a, an important passage that we've talked about before here at Front Range, and it's Deuteronomy 6, and God kind of unpacks the purpose of a family here, and it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. You know, we often refer to this passage as the Shema. The Shema is a Hebrew word that means listen. And what God is telling us in this passage is listen up. Here's the purpose of the family. And I'm not just going to tell you the purpose, but I'm going to design the world, the life that you live the day-to-day stuff in moments where you can share me, God, and how to love. You know, our passage tells us that there are specific times. When you sit at home, this could be mealtime. When you walk along the road, and now we don't walk so much, we drive. When you lie in bed, this is the bedtime. When you get up in the morning. You know, at Front Range, we feel the Shema moments are so important that here at church, we invest money and time in a children's curriculum for our children's ministry that helps you, mom and dad, step into these times with a conversation or a question. The curriculum does this through something they call parent cues. So they give you just bite-sized little cues. I used to work for this company that created this curriculum, and so I went back through and I pulled out just a couple of my favorite cues. Here's one that we call mealtime, and this is something you might talk about when you're eating at Taco Bell or when you're sitting at home around your table. Have you ever had a dream to do something, but it got shot down because someone, maybe even yourself, said you weren't good enough, old enough, or smart enough? And here's a bedtime cue. This is something you can ask your kids. Has anyone, including me, said or done anything to you lately that has hurt you? Have you been able to forgive that person? If not, why? Wait a minute. That verse in Deuteronomy, it's talking about, talking about God to your kids. What do those things have to do with God? That's exactly what God is talking about in this passage. He's saying, talk to your kids in the everyday moments about who God is in every moment, about how much he loves them when they're discouraged, and about forgiveness, forgiving people even when they don't deserve it or haven't even asked for it. It opens the door for you, mom and dad, to share how God has helped you in the moments of your life. These are the moments that are already there. God already built them in. Morning time, meal time, drive time, bedtime. These are the moments to talk about how you treat your sister and how you respond when a friend lets you down, how to choose loving words instead of hateful ones, how to respond with love when you're angry. And what God is saying here in this passage is don't miss it. Don't think that you have to carve out a huge block of time to have a big family devotional. Family devotionals are great. And if you're doing that, if you're working through a devotional together, or if you're reading the Bible together, you know, for a good block of time, that's fantastic. That's the best. Keep doing it. But here's real life, right? 
Sometimes we don't do that. Sometimes we don't carve out that time. And what God is saying is, take the little moments. Take the moments in the morning to speak an encouragement of your child, a moment at bed to ask a really good question, and then take a moment to pray. You know, whether you're a parent or a grandparent or aunt or just a friend who wants to influence another person's life, look for the everyday moments to talk about God's love. So in families we love, here's the next thing. We grow, we grow. In a family, we learn what love is, but we also learn what love does. I love this passage from 1 Corinthians. We often call this the love chapter. And here's what it says. Love is patient. Love is kind. And then God lays out all these things that love is not. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It doesn't dishonest others. It's not self dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. You know, when we use this passage right here, we can help our families grow to be like Jesus because what the Bible is saying is this is what love is not, what the world tells you it is. This is the Jesus brand of love. And I want to camp out on just the first two uh, ways that are the things that God tells us in this passage that love is, patience and kindness. Has there ever been a better laboratory to grow in patience and kindness than in a family? You know, there have been moments where I thought, God, you must really have a good sense of humor, you know, saying we have to have patience and kindness, and then you throw us in a family. You know, family is the place where you're surrounded by people who get on your last nerve, who demand even more, who when you need to be quiet, they want to talk. When you need to get out the door, that's when they start really slowing down. Even if your family is your dorm room or your condo where you have roommates, it's a great place to grow in patience and kindness. You know, I came across this definition of patience the other day, and it said this, patience is slowing down your pace to match someone else's. Slowing down your pace to match someone else's. Think about it. Isn't it frustrating when you're in a hurry and whoever you are with is slow poking it? When you're at the grocery store and you're buying stuff just enough to get dinner on the table and you got to get dinner on in 30 minutes and this is the moment when your four-year-old stops at the gumball machine because he wants to name every color that's in there. When I was thinking about this concept of patience, I came across this picture that I took a couple of years ago. This is my husband, Jeff, and that's our grandson, Mason. And he's raising up children in the way they should go, obviously, by putting them in Broncos jerseys, right? But Jeff is holding Mason's hand. Jeff works here, and so he needed to get into church to get busy, right? He would have gotten into church ten times faster had he not held Mason's hand. But he walked at the pace that Mason needed to walk at. You know, this is exactly what God does for us. God chooses to move at our pace. He's God. He's got some pretty big things on his agenda, I would imagine, for each day. But you know, God is not worried about that. He stops to listen to us, to talk to us at any moment. He explains. He teaches us through stories in the Bible. He waits. You know, patience isn't natural. 
And it doesn't just happen for us, and it doesn't just happen for our kids. When we're able to model patience, it's modeling who God is. It's modeling God's love. I love this verse in Romans chapter 15 that says this, May the God who gives you endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus. Those first two words jump out at me, endurance and encouragement. When you endure, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, when you endure and you encourage your family during the moments when you feel like your head is going to explode, you are showing your family who God is. Let me ask you a question. And this question doesn't mean to shame you. Just give God the space to maybe put somebody's name in your head right now. Let me ask you this question. Is there anybody in your house or your family that feels rushed by you? Who feels pressured? How could you slow down to match their pace? That's what patience is. Here's what you find when you do. You'll notice things. You'll learn about the person you're slowing down for. It's an excellent model of God's patience with us. So patience, love is patient. Let's go to the next one, love is kind. Let's talk about kindness for a second. You know, when I was thinking about this message and I was praying through this verse, uh, God brought a memory back to my mind and it was when I was 15 and a half. And I say 15 and a half because that was the age in Missouri where I grew up where you could go and get your driver's license. That seems ridiculously young to me now. But at 15 and a half, I talked my mom into getting in the car with me. I had my driver's permit. I had driven around a little bit and really felt real cocky. We, we got in the car, we drove to the DMV. The only problem was it was raining that day and I'd never driven in the rain before. And as I came to a red light, I pushed the brake too hard. The car hydroplane slid, slid sideways and I hit the car next to me. Yes, that's right. I hit a car on the way to get my driver's license. <laughs> you know, the worst part of that experience was having to come home and tell my dad what I had done in his car. And I remember coming home and I said, Dad, I hit a car on the way to get my driver's license. And my dad took a breath and he said, well, I bet that wasn't the way you thought your day would go. We'll make sure it's not raining the next time you take your driver's test. I was shocked. I thought my dad would explode. Instead, it took a minute to relate to how I was feeling. Here's a definition of kindness that I love. Kindness is lending someone else your strength instead of reminding someone of their weakness. That's what my dad did. My dad could have said, how could you have done such a thing? Didn't you learn anything in driver's ed? I'm sure that's what he was thinking. But you know, that's not what he said. Instead, he, lended, he lent me his strength. And you know, some 40 years later, after that day, I have never forgotten that moment. My dad taught me a lot of things through uh, you know, teaching me in the moments, teaching me lessons, things like that. This is the defining moment that I remember when my dad didn't blow up and he lent me his strength. And isn't this exactly what God did for us? Romans chapter five says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, 
Christ died for us. Do you get what it says in that verse? While we were still screwing up, while we were turning our back on God, while we were not following his commands, when we were ignoring him, that's the moment where God said, Jesus, it's time. It's time to go and give your life for these people. You know, in our families, when we grow in patience and kindness, we're showing the face of God in our family. Family is chocked full of moments to grow, just so stuffed with them. And here at Front Range, we want to help you lead your family and grow yourself. Parents, you may have noticed when you were walking in that there's a booth outside that said Parent Connect. And that's a place where you can stop today at the end of service. You can talk to them about the curriculum. You can talk to them about, how do I find those cues? Um, There's an app that goes with our curriculum called Parent Cue App, free to download. It gives you a new cue a week of ways to be able to enter into those moments. Um, You may also notice parent emails that come home every single week after the weekend. And um, those help you step into those moments as well. We want you to grow together as a family. But for everybody else, we have so many opportunities to grow. You know, our video that we saw at the beginning was talking about serving. Children's ministry isn't the only place that you can serve. There are so many opportunities. And we don't do that just because we need your help. We do that because serving is one of the best ways to grow. To grow. We also provide community groups. Um, Jeff and I have so leaned into community groups. We're in one right now where it's people our age and we talk about marriage and grandparenting and life and it's just such an incredible opportunity to grow. We have our children's ministry going on right now where we divide our kids into different ages, not so that we can babysit your child, so that we can help your child grow in knowing who God is. We have student ministry, like Brandon mentioned before. That's a unique group for your student to be able to learn who God is and be able to grow to be like him. Your growth is important to us at Front Range. So in families, we love. We grow. And here's the last one. We belong Several years ago, Jeff bought, uh, my husband Jeff bought a Jeep, a Jeep Wrangler. We loved that car, and we would take it up into the mountains. Here's something that we discovered about being a Jeep owner. It was kind of like entering into a secret society. So we noticed that, like, when we were driving the Jeep and passing somebody else who drives a Jeep, it was kind of like a casual, hey there. Like, it was like a little secret society of belonging in the Jeep family, And, you know, we didn't know these people. We didn't know their names. And once we sold our Jeep, well, we didn't belong to that group anymore. It was kind of pseudo-community. There's a difference between belonging to and belonging in. A Jeep group, being a Jeep owner, is belonging to the Jeep community. Being in your family is belonging in a family. You know, I did a little research about belonging. And here's what I found. Belonging is crucial to our life satisfaction. Belonging is central to our happiness, our mental and physical health. And this one blew me away. Even your longevity. So when you have a sense of belonging in a family, it actually adds days to your life. 
Belonging gives a sense of purpose and meaning. Humans have an instinctive need to belong. That's not something we have to teach our kids. Our kids are born with that instinctive need to belong in our family. Um, I came across this definition that a researcher gave, and they said this, belonging is the sure sense that we are worthy of being loved. It provides the foundation of comfort, a sense of conviction that others have our back. Belonging is our safe place. God knew that we'd be born with that instinctive need to belong, so he invented the family. The family is designed to be your safe place. You know, when Jeff and I had first had kids, we kind of um, stumbled into it like a lot of parents do. I, looking back, I feel like we were too young to have kids, but there they were, right? And we started talking about um, our kids as they grew older. And we uh, knew that our kids would reach the age where they too would go and get their license, hopefully not hit anybody on the way, but they would get their license and they would get good at driving away. And we started thinking about this. What is it that would cause them to drive back? to us. And we wanted to create a sense of belonging in our family. And so we focused on two things. Now, there are a lot of things that Jeff and I did not do perfectly as a parent. We messed up so many times. But these are things I think we did right. We focused on creating family identity. And this is a phrase that our kids heard a lot. Um, they both work for the church. My son, Mike, is executive pastor. Our daughter is, uh, was on the worship team today. And um, we would say often, we are the Surratts. And we would say this in those moments when our kids would say, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to have to help with cooking family meals. And we'd say, oh, no, you get to do that because you're a Surratt. We're Surratts. And we would spend a lot of time talking about what is a Surratt, what does a Surratt do and not do? We really tried hard to build that family identity. We also really worked hard at building a faith identity with our kids. We made sure our kids were in good churches, even when they didn't want to go. We made sure that they were part of a youth group as they got older. We talked about our faith in our family. We made sure that our kids served. Mom and dad, this is backed up by research, but one of the biggest indicators that your kids will stay in church after they leave your home is did they serve in church? We didn't dictate where our kids would serve, but we gave them the choice but the mandate was, no, you find your place to serve. And we prayed together as a family. We tried to build for our kids the surety that they were worthy of being loved, not just by us, but by God. But you know, as we talk about this today, some of you, that might be painful. Because you're saying, well, good, I'm so glad you're the Surrettes. That's not what my family was. Maybe you didn't find that sense of belonging, and maybe you don't feel it today. Here are some truths that I want to share with you. I love this from 1 John. It says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it, did not, it does not know him. Here's what God is saying. God loves you so much that today, in this moment, he's saying, You're my daughter. You're my son doesn't matter what kind of family you came from. It doesn't matter how you have screwed up in your family. You are my daughter. You are my son. You belong in my family. I love this verse from Romans chapter 8 that talks about God's love for us. And it says this, For I am certain that nothing can separate us from his love. 
neither death nor life, neither angels nor other heavenly rulers or powers, neither the presence nor the future, the present nor the future, neither the world above you or the world below. There is nothing in all creation that will ever be able to separate us from the love of God, which is ours through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Your dad might have bailed out on you. Your mom might not have been the mom that you needed her to be. There might have been somebody else in your family that really hurt you. You might be a parent sitting here today and things are going on in your family that are so incredibly painful. God sees it. God sees you right here. It's not an accident that you came today. He knew you were gonna be here and sit in the seat that you're sitting in. And maybe as we've talked about the love of God and belonging in God's family, maybe you've never felt like you've belonged in the family of God. This is your moment. Belonging in the family of God is as easy as saying yes to God. Saying, God, I invite you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. And God says, I couldn't possibly love you more. Welcome. We're going to pray. And you can just whisper to God as we pray together. Because it really, truly is as simple as saying yes to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you see us. Father, you see us, our pain. Father, whether we have already asked you into our heart or not, Lord, you see right where we are today. And Father, in a crowd this size, I know that there's probably some who have never had the chance to say yes to you. And Father, I know that you're here. Your Holy Spirit is in this room right now with us. And Father, you're drawing us to you. Father, if there's anyone here today, Lord, as they whisper yes to you right in this moment, Father, I pray that they'll feel your arms around them. Father, they'll feel your forgiveness. Father, they'll feel your complete love as you welcome them into your family, the family of God. Father, we thank you and we praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.